Today we have a living encounter with the living Lord Jesus Christ as our peace and as the Lord of Lords and King of Kings, for the kingdom of God is at hand for you. Now, all of our encounters this time together are going to be encounters with the Eucharistic Lord. I remember preaching during the year of the Most Holy Eucharist, and basically the Holy Spirit inspired me everywhere where Jesus is mentioned, you can put in the Eucharist. Absolutely. Where you have the name of Jesus, you have the Eucharist. And when the Eucharistic Lord tells us to go proclaim peace, he's basically proclaiming himself. Because in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, which we had addressed in the first conference, Many times in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, Jesus the priest will say, the Lord be with you. But there's other times where he says, peace be with you. Same reality. When you have a relationship with the Eucharistic Lord, the Lord is with you and peace is with you. And then you're to carry that peace to others. We were addressing the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass at the end of the celebration, and remember there's only one Mass, and the Mass never ends, so I don't want to say at the end of the Mass, the Mass never ends, but we say, ite misa est, which means you're sent on your mission after your time of thanksgiving, the word Mass from misa relating to missio, which is mission, which will be the second joyful mystery, Mary, the first tabernacle, carrying the Lord to others. That's how you bring peace to people, and that's how you bring the kingdom of God to people, and that's what we hear in today's gospel, the Eucharistic Lord teaching us. Bring peace. Bring the kingdom of God, which means bring the Eucharistic Lord. Okay. So I wanted to share that with you. When you see Jesus in the scriptures, see the Eucharist. Jesus promised not to leave us orphans, and he fulfills all his promises. So many wonderful promises. And thank God for the evangelists and St. Paul and St. Peter, St. James, and the other authors of the inspired books of sacred scripture who have been inspired by the Holy Spirit to provide for us the teachings of Jesus Christ that come to us in sacred scripture and sacred tradition properly understood through the proper magisterium of the church. Okay, Today we celebrate the Feast of St. Luke, the Evangelist. So many things to share about St. Luke in relationship to the Eucharist and Our Lady. 
In fact, St. Luke is the evangelist that speaks the most about Our Lady as far as what he writes, even though St. John took Our Lady into his home. And we know that St. John is, is sharing Our Lady's hearts and insights throughout his gospel. That's why it's the exalted gospel where he's represented by the eagle from the divine heights. Luke is represented as the winged ox, which basically focuses on the sacrifice of Jesus. And we'll be going into the sacrificial aspects of the holy sacrifice of the mass, the holy sacrifice of the mass. But St. Luke, in large part, is responsible for us having the joyful mysteries. St. Luke's gospel is the one where we hear the Annunciation. Chapter 1, St. Luke's gospel. It's where we hear the visitation and enter into the mystery. St. Luke is one of the two evangelists that recount for us the birth of Jesus. Along with St. Matthew, there's two accounts of the birth of Jesus, right? And then the presentation of the temple, St. Luke's gospel. And the finding of Jesus in the temple, St. Luke's gospel. Everything's in providence. God is so good. I must confess, I kept going over and over, how am I going to present this Marian Eucharistic retreat in the context of going from Holy Thursday to Good Friday to Holy Saturday to the resurrection on Easter Sunday because I want all Catholics to really embrace that every Thursday through Sunday. And yet I found I kept getting directed to go through the joyful mysteries on Friday. Well, they're all connected. They're all connected. I mean, Jesus going to the cross and dying for us is something that should enter into the compassionate love of Jesus actually enter into his passionate love for mankind. And that's something that causes joy, that God loves us so much from the time of Jesus coming into the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And so, I want to share these insights about St. Luke. His gospel is essentially about Jesus' journey to Jerusalem to go to the cross, to suffer, die, be buried, and rise and establish the gift of the Most Holy Eucharist and the Catholic Church that's born from his side. Okay? Okay? 
the journey to Jerusalem is St. Luke's Gospel. Now, in the Acts of the Apostles, which St. Luke also authored, it's the going forth from Jerusalem to the whole world. Isn't that beautiful? Going to Jerusalem for the purposes for which Jesus came, salvation, redemption, merciful love, embracing the poor, winning for us the Holy Spirit, But then going forth from Jerusalem, you see in the Acts of the Apostles, which is known as the Gospel of the Holy Spirit. St. Luke was a physician. He's referred to as a beloved physician. And his Gospel and the Acts of the Apostles, the Word of God has a healing power when you accept it into your heart. Let the Word of God heal you. These promises of God will bring great healing. They should bring great peace. Again, back to the message of peace that was announced by the Apostles, after the instruction of Jesus, to bring Jesus to others, to bring them peace. The world's in crisis, the world needs peace, and the only place they're going to find peace is in Jesus, honestly. Are we carrying Jesus to others? I remember giving mission to the missionaries of charity, and I had them speak to our seminarians as I served as rector of our House of Formation in Asia. And the main message they gave to our seminarians is, give us Jesus. Give us Jesus. Give us Jesus. That's all everybody wants. They want Jesus. You are going to take Jesus. You are part of the laborers called to be be harvesting in the vineyard of the Lord that is abundant. And we pray that laborers be sent, for the harvest is great, but the laborers are few, to be true laborers. And you learn from the Blessed Virgin Mary how to be a true laborer, as she learned from Jesus. It's more important to have the strong interior life and thank God for the contemplative communities throughout the world that are bringing graces to the world, and then we go out and proclaim the good news. St. Luke was a faithful companion of St. Paul. And in fact, we also have St. Paul referring to him as a faithful friend because there was a time we know from Scripture, from St. Paul's own writings, that Luke was the only one that stayed with him. We also know there was a time where Paul had no one with him and he had to give testimony, but Jesus was at his side and he said, Be not afraid. Okay? Be not afraid. The Lord is with us in the Eucharist. The Lord is wanting to dwell in us. If we're in a state of grace, the Trinity is within us. 
Our Lady will help us live that Trinitarian life and that Eucharistic life. But we are sent out into the world to be the light of the world. And the world needs light. St. Luke was a, we'll call it Gentile. He didn't know Jesus Christ, but then came along Paul, St. Paul. And Luke knew this was the truth. And he accompanied St. Paul as Paul went over from Troas in Asia Minor over to Macedonia, which is Greece. That was a big move in the church. When, when the church went from Asia over to Europe, people don't realize that, but to, to cross over into Europe, that was big. And Luke was there, and Paul had many companions, but over time, Paul would ask certain companions like Timothy or Titus or Silas or other friends he had to go to certain areas and strengthen people's faith. We all need companions. We heard in the gospel how God sent them out two by two. In the Office of Readings today, St. Gregory the Great talks about the reason the Lord does that. He has a reason for everything. It's because the two great commandments, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And St. Gregory the Great says you can't proclaim this love of God unless you're showing that you love your neighbor. And so Jesus has a wisdom there. St. Paul accompanied, I mean, St. Luke accompanied St. Paul in very difficult circumstances, but he was with him by the writings of St. Paul to the end. In fact, Luke was there when there was that famous shipwreck as Paul and Luke were journeying to Rome. Okay? So it's good to have faithful friends, but our most faithful friend is Jesus and, of course, the Blessed Virgin Mary, right? We need to go to Jerusalem frequently. We need to go to the Eucharist frequently. Let's just say Jerusalem, the Paschal Mystery, the suffering, death, burial, resurrection, ascension of Jesus is going to Jerusalem. We need to go there every day. We need to come to the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass we need to have Eucharistic adoration. We need to contemplate the face of Christ in the School of Mary, praying the rosary. But then we're going to go forth from Jerusalem and spread the good news. But there's an order to everything. One of the things St. Luke speaks of at the beginning of the Acts of the Apostles and remember, it's called the Acts of the Apostles, not the Thoughts of the Apostles. I don't know if you got that, but the Acts of the Apostles, but it's not just pure Acts. It's Acts that flow from an interior life that's solid in the Eucharist, the Word and the Eucharist. The Eucharist is the Word made flesh dwelling among us. We go forth. And we share Jesus with others. But you can't give what you don't have. But as a missionary, I was also formed in this axiom. You can't keep what you don't give away. So you can't give what you don't have. We all know that. 
but you can't keep what you don't give away. Learn from the Eucharist. Jesus just gives himself, gives himself, gives himself. He never runs out. All over the world today, he's giving himself. Body, blood, soul, and divinity really, truly, and substantially present. Isn't that amazing? And he doesn't run out. He just gives himself. Are you holding anything back because you're afraid maybe you're going to run out? Hmm. Little thought. I will proceed. So, the journey to Jerusalem and forward into the world. Now, St. Luke's Gospel emphasizes many very important themes and stresses very important realities in our life. For example, the Blessed Virgin Mary. It's it's said that St. Luke is credited with painting maybe the earliest image of the Blessed Virgin Mary with the Christ child, okay? But thank God for all these accounts of the joyful mysteries that St. Luke shares with us. His overall message, though, is universal salvation. You see, he was a Gentile, and he received freely the gift of salvation by accepting Jesus Christ as taught by Jesus Christ and given through the Catholic Church. Being a Gentile himself and receiving this gift, he had great a heart for those who need to know Jesus. It wasn't just for the Jewish people, but it is for the Jewish people, and we, we pray that the Jewish people will accept the Lord. You know, the Lord isn't going to return until the Jews accept Jesus. That's one of the four things that need to take place before Jesus returns. We know from Scripture, right? We know that the gospel has to be preached preached to the whole world, right? We know that the Jews need to return to Jesus and his church. We know there's going to be a great apostasy. And we know there's going to be the Antichrist. Let's not focus on those last two things right now. Let's just focus on the good news. Get strong, but be aware why you're getting strong because you are going to be sent out like lambs among wolves. That was in the gospel. But this time, let's let's just not really worry so much about wolves, you know, for two days more. Let's get strong together. I will share that when I came here into the chapel and I looked at this image of Our Lady with the child Jesus and that wonderful image of the divine mercy, of course, with the Eucharist at the center, I, I, just, I just felt within me, everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. It's true. Everything's going to be all right. I can see Our Lady of Fatima just going, look at what my son has done. Look at what my son's done. He's got it handled. He rose from the dead. It's going to be all right. But we need to take this message to others. And so this St. Luke's gospel is really a gospel of mercy. For example, chapter 15 is the gospel where you have the three parables of mercy. You have Jesus, the good shepherd. 
You also have that in John chapter 10. You have Jesus the good shepherd. You have the woman who swept the house, which is indicative of the house represents the church, looking for the image of God on people. You know, the coin that gets dirty, you can't see the image anymore. But for the, the children that have lost sight of their image and likeness, and the Holy Spirit comes in and sweeps the house and finds that image and likeness. And then we have the prodigal son, so dear to all of us, right? Or at least to people we know. We all have members of our family, which hurts now, that might be prodigals. The good news is St. Paul was a prodigal, and I was a prodigal, and You know, God can work with the weakest of instruments. But Luke understood this. He understood mercy. He understood salvation. He understood the gift. It was all about universal salvation. And in St. Luke's Gospel, you have so many accounts of how Jesus had women followers. Thank God. Now we look around the church, probably 70 to 80 percent of the Regular mass attendees are women. The holiest human person, purely human person who ever lived was the woman. But let's get the men back. St. <laughs> Luke's Gospel is about reaching out to the poor and the marginalized. The poor and the marginalized, very important part of the Gospels. Jesus says, you did it to me, what you do to the least of my brothers. So St. Luke's Gospel, basically, you know, you can understand how God worked through him. He received this gift freely, and then he just became such a faithful servant. Being there side by side with Paul, although there was a seven-year period where he stayed in Philippi, being a faithful servant. But he is a doctor but more importantly, a spiritual doctor. And coming to the Eucharist, when you go to St. Luke's account of the Eucharist, I, I, used to t- I used to begin every Eucharistic retreat with Luke's account of the gospel, the institution, of, I mean, of the, his gospel with the institution of the Eucharist, because Jesus says, I longed to eat this meal with you. The longing of his heart At the Last Supper, what you find is the pouring out of the things that are in the depth of Jesus' heart. The New Testament is a last will and testament. When somebody's about to die, they make their last will and testament, right? The final things Jesus wanted to teach, he taught at the Last Supper, and then he gave the greatest homily ever on his seven last words on the cross. But the depths of his heart were revealed at the Last Supper and the gift of the Most Holy Eucharist. And thank God, Luke recorded all of these things in an orderly fashion for us. So part of that inspiration is why we're proceeding with this Eucharistic Marian or Marian Eucharistic retreat through the mysteries of the Most Holy Rosary in an orderly way starting with the first joyful mystery and proceeding through them, is because the inspiration of St. Luke. Okay? So you can remember these in an orderly way. But again, I want you to remember St. Luke's 
message, mercy, universal salvation, serving the poor. But ultimately, the journey to Jerusalem and then the journey from Jerusalem going into the world. And we do that in a way that's pleasing to God, bringing peace to other people, and helping establish the Eucharistic kingship of Jesus, where Mary is the queen. St. Luke, pray for us.